Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. And we are live. But Georgie, Georgie, how do you say your last name, bro? Ivanov. I Ivanov? Ivanov, yep. I Ivanov. All right, man. What's that going on, dude? How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, first before we you know, before we start, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. Josh, you're the man. I'm a I'm a big fan of everything that you do. I follow your think different I've theory. It's awesome. Uh, and I appreciate you. So thank you. I appreciate that, man. Well, it's funny how we got uh, connected. And I apologize, dude. So it's funny. I was at a, I'm losing my voice. Actually, I'm getting my voice back right now. Um, <laughs> I, I was uh, at an event, um, one of my, my clients, Cashflow Tactics. Um, they put on a live event and uh, I was emceeing the whole thing. And so I was yelling and screaming and pumping up the crowd the whole time. And of course, I lost my voice. So we're right. back doing podcasts without a voice. But it's funny um, how we actually got connected on this because I'll tell you, man, you um you commented on one of my posts and said that you had coached russell brunson and then you you tagged russell in the post and i was like you gotta be ballsy to, to say that you're russell brunson's coach and actually tag him in it unless you actually tagged him so uh but it's interesting because you're a wrestler right that's right so how do how did you and Ru how do you and russell know each other like where did that come into play long story right long story short but uh basically i went to boise state i went okay so i started I'm from Bulgaria originally, right? So I um, I came to the states when, by myself when I was 16, barely spoke any English. I uh, wow. and uh, yeah, and I, I actually came in right in the Midwest. I started at Council Bluffs, okay, and I went to wait, uh, wait, 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 Council Bluffs, Iowa. Yeah, no way, dude. I lived in Omaha for three years. I just left there. Did you I really? Think, yeah, I was in. We used to go down every now and then. So I'm like, I'm not really a big gambler, right? But I like playing blackjack every now and then. And so every now and then we'd get, we'd go down to council bluffs. Uh, the, there's a casino over there on the boat and we'd go yeah. down in there and play. That's crazy, dude. That's awesome. I'm still here. I still live here. No way. That's awesome. Yeah. But so anyways, I started my journey here. And then, uh, I, once I graduated high school, I went and wrestled at, at university of Nebraska, Omaha, at UNO. So I wrestled there for three years and then we were three times national champions. We're doing great, but then they dropped the wrestling program. So when they did that, yeah, it was, it was nuts. But when, when they did that, I, uh, it was kind of perfect timing because at that time my parents came from Bulgaria and they, they went to Boise and they started oh. in Boise and my dad was working at a wrestling uh, club there and he was coaching. And, uh, and so that's how they got to. And, and so through that, my dad had met Russell at that time because Russell, you know, Russell wrestled at Boise state. Right. Um, and, uh, and then he was helping, he's helped so many people, but he was helping some of the senior level athletes that were training and trying to, you know, make a name for themselves, trying to make world teams, et cetera. Right. So that's how my dad met Russell. And uh, so anyways, when they dropped the program at UNO, that's what, that's when I got an offer to go and continue my education at Boise State. And oh. I, I gladly accepted. I went to Boise State because my parents were there and uh, which was great. You know, I met Russell there. I met my wife there. I spent some time with my family after being away from them for years. And this is, what year is this? This is 2011. So this is long before ClickFunnels was a thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyways, we didn't actually connect, connect until, until ClickFunnels. <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. So what really happened was, you know, I was I was just wrestling, doing my thing, didn't think too much of it. Uh, and uh, I had accepted a, um, a coaching position down in St. Louis at a university. And I was coaching and I was actually retired from competing after my collegiate career. And how, how old are you now? 
Sorry, I didn't 30, mean to. 30 30. Years old. Okay, 30. And how, how old is Russell? He's about he? 40, I think. Okay, yeah. So he's he's about 10 years older than you are. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, so I was coaching down in St. Louis, and some of the some of the kids actually like kind of challenged me, kind of said, Hey, you should go and compete again international. And so I did. I did. I went and wrestled at a big international tournament in, in Colorado Springs, actually, in Colorado. Oh, nice. At the Olympic Training Center. And I ended up winning that tournament, which was crazy. Uh, and for me, it was anyways. And, right, uh, right. and so Bulgaria, I wasn't a U.S. citizen yet. I am now, but I wasn't back then. So Bulgaria got a hold of me again and, and, and asked me to go and wrestle at the, at the national tournament in Bulgaria and try to make a, a world team. And so... So I did. I went back and wrestled. I won. I won the tournament, and I made the world team for Bulgaria. That's in, crazy. In 2015, yeah, it was in Las Vegas. Um, and so, so does that I, like what? Does that mean you go to the Olympics or something? So okay, so in 2015 it was just worlds, and then 2016 was the Olympic year, and I had to qualify because in the Olympics it's not enough to just be the number one guy in your country. You have to actually qualify that spot for for your country well you have to get a bid for the olympics and there's only 16 spots per weight class in the whole world so uh i went to mongolia they had a olympic qualifying world tournament and uh only the top three got a bid to go to the olympics and so i took second at that i took i went, made it to the finals i took second at the wow. world, world qualifier and qualified for the olympics so yeah i did wrestle in rio in 2016 that's wild yeah yeah so, so Wendy, sorry, continue. I'll let you. No, so, so I was gonna, I was gonna tell you how I met Russell or how I reconnected with Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go there. So, so then, right after the Olympics, I was juggling a lot of things. Right, I was, I, I have, I was newly married. I just married my wife. We met at Boise State. She was a cheerleader there on the Boise team. And then, uh, uh, I was a full-time wrestling coach. I was the associate head coach at the university. I was a full-time graduate student getting my master's. And I was full-time training, trying to make a, an Olympic team. And so I was very, very busy. And I actually had to, uh, Bulgaria gave me an ultimatum. They said, hey, if you, even wanna, if you even want to compete at the Olympics, if you even want to have a chance at competing, you have to come back and train with us for three and a half months before the Olympics. So, yeah, so for one, my wife wasn't happy. For two, <laughs> two, for two my employer wasn't happy. You know, and then for three, my, my teachers weren't happy because I had to miss three and a half months. And so we made it all work. But at the end of it, when I was done with the Olympics, uh, you know, it's always that that second journey. Right. It, it transformed me. It transformed me as a person. And uh, I achieved a lifelong goal. But that came with consequences. And uh, I had to I had to I had to decide. I was at a crossroads and I had to decide, hey, is it is it going to be wrestling as a career or is it going to be my family? Mm. And, and I chose my family and we packed up, moved. I quit my job. I was in line to be the next head coach, right? So I left a six-figure job, quit everything, came back to here in the Midwest, came back to Council Bluffs area. And, uh, and uh, my wife and I started fresh, no jobs, nothing. We started fresh. Wow. And that's when I went on that journey to, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, right? To, to, to try to learn and I went to college for, for business marketing, but as you know, it's nothing like the real world, right? No, no, it's super concept. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. in for a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dude, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like, it's crazy how much college does not even, like, it does not set you up for anything real world. No, like, no. like college has its place and it, it has its, 
positive things that come out of it. But when it comes to like actually learning about real world experience, no. bruh, it's not even close. No, no, it's very, I, you know, I tried to wrap my mind around this, like, you know, what did I actually learn? And it was, it was all very generic, just introducing you to certain topics, you know, but, but how to actually do it and how to actually, it's nothing, nothing like right. this. Yeah. So anyways, but so that's when I, I, as soon as you Google, you know, as soon as you start searching, you know, how to be an entrepreneur, how to start somewhere. And all of a sudden you're just flooded with Russell Brunson. ads. Right. <laughs> so, Shout out, Russell. We love you. <laughs> no, we love Russell. So anyways, and uh, next thing you know, I'm like, I know this guy. You know, I, I know Russell. What is he teaching? So I started digging deeper into it. Oh, isn't that? So, okay. So you didn't, you didn't know, like you had met Russell earlier, like yeah. kind of knew him, but not like really. And I, knew, then, I knew him as wrestling person. Right. And then all of a sudden you're seeing him everywhere online yeah. as this big time entrepreneur. That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, so then I started geeking out on it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this person knows what he's talking about, you know? So I started, obviously, I bought everything that I could afford at the time. And hold, I started- hold on. We, we have to send Russell a box right now <laughs> while, while we're on this live stream. Hold on. Let me, let me pull this up. I'm actually, going to see, I'm actually going to Boise tomorrow to see him. Okay, so hold on. So that's perfect. Let me turn on the volume here. I'm going to take off this so you can hear him. Hey, hey Russell, we're, we're middle middle of a live interview right now. Someone has something to say. Russell, how are you, sir? I hope you're. I hope you're training. Uh, I'm coming to see you tomorrow in Boise. This George Ivanov. Isn't that funny? Isn't that? We're sitting here talking about how. Uh, and this is so funny. People are gonna just watch this live. It's gonna be great. We're sitting here talking about uh, how he knew you as a wrestler. Then all of a sudden, you're uh, you're all over the internet, taking over the world. Anyway, we're gonna get back to the interview now. I just thought that was funny. All right, Russell, see that? He'll laugh. That'll be funny. Anyway, okay, so that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So I obviously the 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 more I you know, started geeking out on the subject, the more I realized this is, this is like my new business Bible, right? I'm following this to a T. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously as everything goes, it's not, it's not perfect. You keep failing and learning and retrying and, but at least now I knew, you know, I, I had declared in my brain what I wanted to do. I had, I had, I had decided what I want to do. And uh, I started geeking out, started learning trial and error, trial and error. And I'm still, obviously I'm still doing that, but yeah. Um, uh, but yes, it's so what do you do now though? Like in the in the online space, what are you doing? So in the online space, okay, so and I and I know this is not what people recommend. This is not what Russell recommends. <laughs> I'm a little bit guilty about it, but I am not focused on one thing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, which is it's it is what it is. Maybe I'll learn one day. But maybe you'll so learn. My my day job is I'm the executive director at Nebraska USA Wrestling. Nice. So, yeah, and 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 uh and then my my dad actually my parents moved from Idaho. Uh, they came to Iowa, and we found a building. We purchased a building, and we started a club here. So I'm helping him start that a little bit. But he's he's more hands on with the club. And but actually, what I'm what I'm doing in the online space is two things. One, we launched a virtual uh, a virtual wrestling club. Okay, and that virtual wrestling club is this is it, the best wrestler, bestwrestler.com, virtual wrestling club. And it's it's amazing with this whole you know COVID thing and everything going a little bit more virtual. We see ourselves as a little bit of the you know the uh, Robin to Batman, right? People still have their coaches, they still have their clubs anywhere in the world. We're just kind of additional guide for them. We're we're providing an Olympic training system for them. And uh, and uh, are you still there, Josh? I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm just no, going back. And, yeah, I'm no, going back and forth on no. the camera for camera angles. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is yeah, we that's what we are. It's it's a wrestling club. It's a virtual wrestling club. We provide practices. We provide uh, you know mental training. With you know like mindset. We provide a uh, morning workouts for them, and, and it's full on system. And basically, what it is is it's videos, videos of showing them step by step what they need to do, and all they need is a partner and log in and do it right so so you're you're not like hey come in and we're going to be your exclusive coach you learned everything here this is hey listen you're a serious wrestler you have a coach like you're going out there but we're providing additional support from an olympic you know olympic athlete additional training of what what that would look like yeah exactly so my dad my dad's also an olympic coach i'm an olympic athlete and so we we got together and we have a lot of information to give to give those people. And we realize that here at our actual like brick and mortar location, we're limited to space and we're limited to location. So obviously we wanted to expand and we actually just launched this not too long ago. But 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 yes, basically for parents that are not necessarily wrestlers or don't know how to help their kids, we provide guidance for them. If, if anything, they can at least verify that their clubs are doing things somewhat the right way. Right. Not everyone's going to be the exact same system, but but it's a little bit of a guidance for these people or coaches in small town that love the sport, but don't necessarily know how to run a high level practice. They can also learn from this and, and just literally log in, watch it implement. So that's, that's super cool. And is that, so that's separate from your marketing position at where you're working with the director of wrestling, right? Yes, correct. That's, that's a separate thing. And it, yes. Yep. That's super cool. So like, it's funny cause I know very little about wrestling. Like I, so I grew up homeschooled, right? So like, I didn't even play any sports in high school. I didn't even go to high school. I mean, I was in my bedroom, right? And uh, so I got introduced to wrestling and it seems like wrestling is actually a bigger sport than I realized. Like, seems like there's quite a few people. Is it, are you noticing that it's starting to take off more or less or like talk a little bit about like wrestling in general? Wrestling has definitely been, been growing worldwide. So we got actually, wrestling was dropped from the Olympics. I, I don't, I don't even remember exactly when I think. I think last, so I think about four or five years ago, wrestling was like kicked out as a sport from the Olympics. So as a community, all the wrestlers united and it actually became a completely rebranding as a business model for United World Wrestling, which is the, the governing body for the world wrestling, for the sport of wrestling in the world. They reunited, uh, they, they rebranded everything and they started actually promoting and, and, you know, being more creative with the sport, running it more as a business. And we were actually reelected to join the Olympics again, fortunately, because I wouldn't have been able to be competing at the Olympics in 2016. So, uh, but, but yes, since then, wrestling has just been going upwards and upwards. And now what's the fastest growing sport right now in, in, in the U.S. is women's wrestling. That has exploded. And uh, women's wrestling is the fastest growing sport in NCAA right now. So it's crazy. That's wild. I would have never, I would have never guessed that. It, it's just so interesting how that all how trends come and you know what I mean? Like how, yeah. where, if people put in the energy and like try to make it a big thing, like uh, you can get something to take off. And I think that's super, I think it's super interesting. I think it'll, the, the future of wrestling will, well, it will definitely be interesting as, as we see it unfold. So like yeah. another, another thing that you might find more interesting. Okay. My other, my other journey and Russell knows this. That's how we actually started. Uh, it, okay. So I have a partner. Okay. And okay. He was my uh, he was my guardian when I came to the states. I lived with that family. Then he was my wrestling coach. He was my best man in my wedding, etc. So we're really close. And then when when I told you my wife and I left St. Louis and and came back here, 
to Council Bluffs, Iowa. That's who I reunited with. That's who I reached out to for help. And he's been a great support for me. So since then, we got on this journey. We went to FHL, right? Funnel Hacking Life. We started figuring out how to, how can we start our own business? And yeah. since then, it's been two years uh, since we started. Actually, it's been a little more than two years. But anyway, since then, he and I, him and I have, have been developing a software because that's what Russell advised us to do. <laughs> and him and I have been developing a software and it's finally here. Software is here. We're in beta test. Oh, wow. We're in a, we're going to be in UNMC in the University of Nebraska Medical Center. We are uh, in a few other hospitals and a few businesses. And it's, I'm, that's what I'm super, super excited about. It's a, it's a software that combines four or five different things and puts them into one and they talk together and it's, it's integrated together and it's, it's uh, very interactive. So what basically what it is, is that what you're asking me? <laughs> well, for, first off, I just want to say, bro, that congratulations. Thank like, you. Software is awesome. So it's funny. Quick side note. I, I had a software at one point, probably much less complex than what you're talking about. But, um, I used to, my background is in Instagram, right. And you know, I've grown to manage like 6 million followers on social media. And so back oh, in the day, yeah. this was probably two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, one of my students came to me and he's like, bro, this, we call it hashtag research back in the day. Right. He's like, I figured out a way and hashtag research would take me like six to eight hours for any given account. Right. Like it was a deep, deep process, but like I had, we had hundreds of students. I had a Facebook group of like 20,000 people that we were teaching this stuff to. And he came to me and he was like, yo dude, I've got, like, I figured out a way for you to do ha like hashtag research in 10 minutes. And I was like, uh, I want to, okay. He's like, I that's a heck of a hook, right? Right, right, right. So, so I was like, all right, let's talk. And so he basically showed me this software that he had coded while sitting in the back of his college classroom. And he's like, I wanted to give it to you, like just, you know, to have, he wasn't thinking of it as like a business model. He was just like, Hey, I think this would help you. And I was like, dude, let's bring this to market. And so we did, we, we did, did like a beta test round and we had a paid version and a free version. I ended up selling so like we went into business together, like we took off. I didn't want to get into the software game at the time. So I ended up selling it to a, a business partner that took over my half of it. But we had like 8,000 users on that thing before, before I sold it, which was pretty awesome. So, so software is like fascinating to me. So anyway, congratulations thank on you. that. But I want to know, yeah, like what does your software do? Thank you. No, thank you. So the software is, it started, it started small, right? He saw a need. He works at, he works at the, at the University of Nebraska, Omaha, um, Anyways, at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, actually. But anyways, it's, uh, it started off, off as being a task tracking, project management, how to be better organized, right? Because a lot of people are still using like Excel spreadsheets and, and they just don't have a way of, of, of properly tracking their employees' trainings and certifications and reoccurring trainings and, and just all that stuff. So it started as that. We started developing a software to do that, to be a project management slash task tracking slash uh, cloud-based storage, right? And now what it turned out to be two years later, it's just a monster. And it's been lots of ups and downs emotionally and financially for us. But, <laughs> but now what it is, is it's basically, it's, it's that, okay? But so imagine, imagine a software like, uh, like uh, Monday.com or like Trello, okay? So project management software with boards. But then it combines with something like, uh, let's say, Dropbox, okay, Cl like cloud-based storage that organizes everything. And then it has something like Zoom that has a uh, web conferences, right? So it's it's like Zoom, okay. And then it has something like a, 
like Canvas or Blackboard, it's an LMS learning management system for videos or trainings or courses or, and it's, it's interactive. All that is interactive. So, so it's three things to it. It's, it's called Zuptu, Z-U-P-T-U, Zuptu.com. So it's three things to it. Zuptu Enterprise is the project management, task tracking, uh, it's interactive calendars, you know, you have your, all that, to-dos, templates, etc. That's That's that. And then it has Zoop to Doc Manager, Document Manager, which is more of your uh, file indexing. So it's not just saving it in there, it's file indexing. For example, if you're in Zoop to Enterprise and you are working on a project and you're uploading a document, a photo, a comment, etc., in there, some type of document, and you're communicating internally with your with your with your employees, let's say, right? Every document that gets uploaded to that project or that task gets indexed under a department, under a division department employee folder automatically. You don't have to do two, three things at one. Like it automatically indexes it in there in a the cloud-based storage and you have access to it in there, okay? And then from there, we have a learning management system attached to it that, okay, so let's say you're selling an online course, right? And people need to log in and take that course and they need a minimum of 80% grade or whatever to pass, okay, to get certified. So they can go in there, they can watch their videos, go through the modules, take the courses, take a quiz at the end, even if you have to, or a test. And as soon as they do that, their grade, their certificate, their training all gets dumped into uh, indexed. It gets indexed into the, the, the other two systems. The, so the certificate gets dumped into indexed into the document manager and the grade gets up, uploaded into the, the project manager, the task tracking thing. So it's, and it's, it's a lot more, there's a lot more like bells and whistles to it, but this is kind of the gist of it. That's okay. That's pretty intense, dude. Very, very intense. Yeah. It turned out to be very, very intense. Our problem right now is we don't know how to sell it properly because if we say that, if we say that we are a, uh, you know, a project management tool, we're shortcutting ourselves. If we say that we're, you know, a, a, a cloud-based storage pro program software, we're shortcutting ourselves, you know, so it's kind of hard to find our, our pit. So Okay, so I have two questions about it. Number one, is there any form of internal communication between users? Meaning like if me and my, like I've got me on there and I've got uh, my team members on there, right? Like, is there a Slack element to it or a Facebook message like where I can communicate back and forth with team members? We actually have integration with Slack on the back end. So if you okay. have, it integrates in there, but also you can, you don't have to do it with Slack. Uh, it does it in there. Yeah, you can internally communicate. It's almost like, it's almost like on Facebook, right? You're typing a comment, they're replying, you can attach documents, you can update statuses on projects. But the cool thing is all of this is HIPAA compliant for sensitive information, NIST, NIST compliant and ISO compliant. So this is very, very secure. You know, we, we can be working, I mean, we are working with, with hospitals and very sensitive information. So uh, that's what's cool about it. But, but yes, there is internal and, and also you can receive notifications on your Slack. So if you are, running a project on Zuptu and it's and, and your employee updates the status of it to 75% complete, it can send you a notification via email, SMS, or Slack. Dude, that's this is wild. Like you you've done some money and some time into this. I've dumped a lot of money and time into this, yes. So like why like who did you I like I know you're still trying to figure out how to sell it, but like who did you develop it for? Right. Like, exactly. Is, is this like to sell the hospitals or is this to sell to like the individual user like who are you trying to like who's it for right so our, our avatar when we started right the, the person we're imagining was uh and, and it's because that is my partner's background and that's what he saw the need for it 
It was originally developed for hospitals to, to stay compliant. Their audits are unbelievable because we have, that's another thing. We have reports, custom reports. So for like audits are no longer a thing for these companies. It's literally two clicks of a button. It pulls all the reports on everything that they need and it's just done. So it saves, it saves auditors time. It saves them money. It saves them headache. It's, 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 it's good. So, but, but that was our original avatar, right? But now we're thinking, okay, well, every single agency organization can, can use this and can benefit from it. So I don't know. That's the thing is, is, and, and another thing is, is with hospitals, it's a very slow. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> onboarding process. A lot of red tape to get through. We're thinking that, you know, entrepreneurs or, or business owners, or it would be a lot quicker and they would benefit from it a lot more, I think. Yeah. I feel like you're like landing a hospital. That's like monumental steps as far as increase the value. Whereas like, it's going to be way easier to just get, well, I don't know if easy is the right word, simpler, faster to get everyday users on the platform. Right. It, it would be, it would be right. It would be smaller wins, but more often. Right. And that yeah. Is- so do you like, with your uh, learning management stuff, like, do you host videos on there? Like, is it like a membership area or do you host them elsewhere and upload them there? No, no, we, we this is our own software. We have our own, like, it's our own, we host it on our own platform. Like, we have, yeah, it's, yes, it's, it's, uh, it, we host it in our own LMS program uh, with the videos, the documents, the quizzes, the tests, everything on there, the live conferences, everything happens on there. Um, so that's wild. So it's not like I upload it to YouTube and then upload YouTube to your stuff. It's no. directly to that. Yep. That's why do you have like, what's the pricing model on it? Or do you, do you even have it rolled out yet for like the individual that we don't have rolled out yet? Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Sounds like you need to talk to Russell. Yeah. He Vox back. Should we listen to his Vox? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 10 seconds. We'll see what he has to say. Tell me if you can hear this. Hey, Ted George is going down. I'm ready for him. I'm prepared. My whole goal for this week is just to be him live on Facebook in front of everybody. Oh, are you guys going to Facebook? Live on Facebook. You know, I was actually going to help him train for that Logan Paul deal. You know, it was, yeah, yeah, and we're still doing it. But I think Logan's kind of scared of it, so I don't, I don't know. We'll Dude, so okay. Side note, I, I, uh, I don't know Logan, but I've met Logan, and I'm friends with. Um, so do you watch Logan's podcast at all? No, I really don't. Okay. So Logan has a podcast called impulsive and there's, it's him, his best friend, Mike. And then when they started for like the first, I don't know, like the first couple hundred episodes or like whatever it was, there was a guy on there named Spencer. And Spencer's, it's so funny. He's like this vegan hippie dude. He's got like a long hair, like, you know, pulled up in like a man bun. Like all he cares about it's like he wants to just, you know, like save the environment. And like, I love Spencer. Anyway, Spencer and I are friends. Like I have Spencer's number. We like we text back and forth. Spencer Uh-oh. dipped and he, he moved to Hawaii. But like I met Logan and I like, I'm torn. So let's talk about this. <laughs> like, do you, is, is, do you think Russell could kick Logan Paul's butt? Absolutely. You think so? Absolutely. So like, I don't know enough about wrestling. I see Logan as this six foot two, like what? two twenty, two thirty. I mean, like he, he's a big dude, right? right? Trained for boxing. He's in his, the prime of his career. And then I see Russell at like 40 years old who don't get me wrong. R- Russell's what? A two time, two time uh, national champion. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, so what's the, like, what's, what makes a good wrestler though? I know last year he went and wrestled, you know, in Vegas. Yeah, I remember that. 
took second and third in, in two styles in, in, at nationals. So it's, it's huge for him. And that was on like, you know, 10 days of training. <laughs> right. So like, so my, my point what, what makes a good, why, why would Russell beat low and keep me wrong or don't get me wrong. Like I'm team Russell all day long, but right. I'm like, Ooh, man, six foot two, 25 years old, prime of his career. All right. So if we gotta be honest, I'm biased, right? I'm, no, right. Right. For sure. But, but a little bit about wrestling is this, you know, if you look at me, I don't look like this big, scary dude. Right. 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 But you know, I, I'm, I'm okay at wrestling. I'm good at wrestling. So, so if, if, the wrestling is not so much about like how you look or how big your muscles are or, or what, you know, whatever it's more, it's a lot of it is actually technique on how you, how do you do the move properly? A lot of it is, is um, like match strategy, how to approach a match, you know? So, so I told Russell, I actually boxed him and I said, Hey, are you, are you like serious about this Logan thing? And he's like, yeah, let's do it, man. I'll, I'll keep you posted. And I said, well, I'm going to pull up all his matches in high school and whatever. And we're going to scout the crap out of him and we're going to break everything down and we're going to, come up with a game plan to beat him, you know? So, so that's why, that's why I was saying that, yeah, we can beat him, but, so but again, Russell's, like, he's taking it pretty seriously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tell Russell, tell Russell if that, if that event happens and if, he, if I, if I'm invited, if I get to go watch it live, I'll, I'll get a, a, a team Brunson tattoo yeah. and, uh, we'll, really? we'll go, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell them, I, I'll be serious about it. So, uh, I think that'd be fun. That'd be so fun. <laughs> like, so like, it's funny because, I grew up, um, well, like, I don't want to say grew up because I grew up super conservative. We didn't even have internet. But, like, when I got into the internet game, like, Russell, or, I mean, Russell was the first person I ever watched in, like, the, the online space for entrepreneurship. But, like, Logan Paul, like, I watched Logan Paul blow up on right. YouTube. Like, I watched him back in his Vine days, and then when he made that jump over to YouTube, like, I watched him to go from zero to 20 million subscribers or zero to whatever it was in, like, you know, a year and a half. It was, like, the fastest growing YouTube channel ever. Right. So like a lot of inspiration from Logan and like, I watched him transition into, you know, podcasting. I was at the challenger games out and like, that's where I got to meet and hang out with him and Jake, um, his brother out there. So it's funny. Cause like, I'm, I'm much more of a fan of Russell. Cause Russell's actually like changed my whole life. Right. But like, I'm also a big Logan Paul fan in the sense of, I think what Logan Paul has done for like the creativity of YouTube and YouTubers and bringing that all out. Like he changed the game for YouTubers and like really, really paved the way. So I think that a collaboration for both of them raising money for like, Oh, you are something like that is just, that would just be good for the internet. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like pro making this happen big time, big yeah. time, big time. No, these are, these are two online giants and yeah, you're right. You're, you're a little bit torn. You're in the middle of it all, but yeah, but I'm torn, but I'm also like, I would never bet against Russell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Ru Russell's mindset, Ru what Russell's been through. And like, I know, I mean, he's friends with Tony Robbins, dude, and hangs out with, you know, people like that. Like the mindset, Russell got the mindset of a champion, right? Yeah. Speaking of that, actually, I, I got to bring this up. Are you political at all? Do you follow politics? I really don't. I'll tell you, you what, I don't. I okay. don't because it's very, it's draining me emotionally. <laughs> yes. And here's the thing. I would rather focus on something that I actually control yeah, and something that I don't control and I get emotionally invested in. And then it's like, you know, and then it, I, 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 that's why I don't, I just, I just choose not to. Are you an American citizen? I am. Yeah. Okay. So you can vote. Yeah. Yeah. So are you voting in this upcoming election? I don't think so. You don't think so? I know that's bad, but again, I don't want to vote because I don't have an educated, I don't have an educated opinion. So, 
on that matter. So I don't really want to, you know, screw up anything. So <laughs> I, I would rather, I would rather not. And I know it's bad. I know I should take the time to get educated on it. But like I said, it, it emotionally drains me because, because, uh, you know, anymore it's a little bit of like a soap opera online, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a, like I said, I'm not educated enough on the matter to talk about it. Do you, do you get worried at all that one, like if one party gets elected versus the other, that is going to change the dynamic of the future or not really? Mm -hmm. It will hundred percent. Either way, the dynamic is changing. I know that for a fact, right? That it happens every time. But, but the thing is either way, I don't have a say in it or, or I, I can't change it. So because of that, it's my job to, just adapt to it and, and keep going. And I think that if I'm focused on what I'm doing, you know, unless it's something drastically changes, as, as, as long as I'm focusing on what I'm doing and I'm, I'm focusing on, you know, being productive in my own life and, and make sure that I'm working on being happy and, and, and healthy and, and wealthy, right? That, yeah. that's, that's what, that's me. That's my goal. And I know that I'll be okay. You know, I, I don't yeah. want to get invested in someone else's life that doesn't necessarily affect me that drastically. Yeah, I think so. I would push back on you and I would say, I think that you do have a voice or like you do, you do have some say because you have a vote, but yeah. I, I wish like my default for people would be, I wish that people took their, like your approach to things as far as like taking control of their life. Right. So like, I'm, I mean, and you follow my stuff. So, you know me, I'm like, I'm a huge Trump fan, right? I think Trump's a winner and I think he's going to win in a freaking landslide, but I, I wish more people like, I feel like so many people place the, their fate in a political candidate. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, if this person gets elected, then I will be successful. Or if right. this person gets elected, they're, like that will prevent me from being successful, right? And I think what you're talking about there of personal responsibility and like being like, hey, I'm going to control what I can control and like taking that approach to it. Like, I think that's the, I think that's the response that most people should have. Yeah. And I, you, you're right. That's what I think. Obviously that's why I'm doing it. But, but you know, I do follow your stuff and I like how you transitioned, you know, into that think different theory because yeah. I, I, uh, I was pretty lost when I did that transition from coaching and being a full-time, like all about wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And I transitioned more into, okay, take care of my family yeah. you know, and be a good husband, be a good father now. And, uh, and, uh, you know, how can I provide for them? I was lost. I was literally lost mm. going into like, I was, you know, all these negative thoughts are coming, flooding my head. It's like, you know, I, 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 I was a champion in one field, but then I was nobody in the business world. And, and it's kind of tough. It's a tough transition. That's why a lot of athletes fall into depression afterwards. You know, so I started geeking out on this. That's why I started following Russell, Tony Robbins, you know, Brendan Burchard. You know, I started following all these people, Dean. You know, I started following all these people and started reading on them and, and, and trying to find myself and figure out, okay, how can I get a hold of myself? How can I control myself first so I can provide for my family? Because if I'm a disaster, we're all a disaster, right? You know, that's how I felt anyways. I'm not being a productive member of the family. So so I started geeking out a lot and I started going into deep, like, you know, the law of attraction, the subconscious mind, the, you know. Yeah. And I just, I just started geeking out a lot on that. And that's when I realized, hey, I actually need to control my thoughts. I need to cut all negative energy away from me and I need to focus on how can I be productive? How can I be happy personally, which is a choice? And, you know, and how can I be present for my family and how can I be, you know, how can I be a provider for my family rather than just a, a, a worried person and a negative energy around everyone, you know? So yeah, that, 
that's when I started doing that. Dude, so it's crazy that you say that because like, so I learned about the subconscious mind and the power of the subconscious mind back at, actually. So right after Funnel Hacking Live 2018, which was, um, Allison Prince actually got up. Do you know Allison Prince? Yes, I was there at 2018. Okay, so okay, so Allison Prince gets up on stage and she's saying how amazing life is and how she went from you know chair to stage in one year and she's this millionaire and blah blah blah, right? And I'm like, you actually suck. I'm working like ten times harder than you, and I don't have that, right? And don't get me wrong, I love Allison. We've had her on the show; she's amazing. But I remember leaving that and like flying home and like being so depressed and like canceling all my clients and just being like, I've got to figure out this mindset stuff, dude. <laughs> When, when I learned about the power of the subconscious mind, like I read psycho cybernetics. Have you, dude, have you ever read psycho cybernetics? Let me, are you, hold on one second. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've got it like, dude, bro. Okay. So that, that book blew my freaking mind, dude. I was like, this is insane. And so I started studying all about the, the power of the subconscious mind. And the way I like, the way I explain it to people is like, your subconscious mind, they, they estimate that like by the time you're like 30 to 35 years old, that 85 to 90%, give or take, uh, of all of your thoughts, actions, beliefs, who you are, how you act, what you say, what you do are all subconscious. Yep. And so like whatever your subconscious mind is programmed to, that's literally how your mind, like that's how you will be. That's who you are, right? Yep. Because your subconscious mind is, is controlling that. And yep. so it's like, if you could figure out a way, and this is what, like I had this realization moment, I'm like, if I could figure out a way to rewire my subconscious mind, if I could figure out a way to like just reprogram that by default, 90% of my life would change and I would look like a completely different person. Yes. And so like I went in and I started studying all this and like, I, I feel like a large majority of the problem with the American public today and people that are in victim mentality is because their subconscious mind, they've been programmed and literally brainwashed to believe that they have no control over their life. They've been programmed and brainwashed to believe that they, they can't change their life, that, that politics is the thing that's going to control them, that they need the government, that oh, woe is me, that like money is hard, that I can't be successful, that I have to follow the rules. And they've been programmed to believe this. Yes. And it's like, it's like if you just knew that like if you just changed the inputs that go into your subconscious mind – you can change your entire life. And then you pair that with the law of attraction and you pair that with the power of choice, like your entire life changes and not even like, oh, your entire life changes because you make a little bit more money. Like, no, like my entire view of the world, my entire view of money, my entire view of success, of relationships, of what's possible, my outlook on life, the way I approach the world, everything changes when I just understand how my subconscious mind works and that I understand that that's controlled by, by, by my identity. Amen, man. Yeah. I, I call this. Yeah. As soon as that same, same, I'm telling you, we're so similar in discovering this and, and uh, same, same time, 2018 at FHL, my mind was blown and that's when I started changing, but it was, uh, it was, it's actually interesting because in my own wor words, I describe this as people being on aut autopilot. They're not being intentional. They're not being, that's a great way to put it. You know, they're on autopilot and it's like literally like zombies and it's like they can't wake up. They don't even know. They're not aware of the problem. They don't, they're not aware that there's anything wrong with the way they think or the way they act. And all of it feels so natural. You know, it's because it's, it's just a routine. It's just a daily habit. And you just do one thing after another from, from waking up to stepping on 
you know, getting off the bed to brushing your teeth to getting dressed to to everything is just on autopilot and they're not intentional about their own lives. And so the thing is, it's like the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing the same thing over and over again, but expect different results. It's just not going to happen. So so that's that's when I started really, really questioning everything. I, I literally questioned everything that I that I did. And uh, now I have, you know, my morning routine. I have my meditation. I have my being aware of as soon as a negative thought comes to my brain, I, I acknowledge it and automatically throw it away and say, I question is, is this really true? Is this really, really true? It, it, is what my brain is telling me right now really true or is it not? Is it a fact? No, it's not a fact. Okay. Well, then it's just an opinion. Well, if it's just an opinion, I don't like that opinion and I change it with a better opinion and, and I move on. And it's, I, okay. It's so crazy how that works though, dude. And like what you said right there, I think is one of the most powerful things that people can understand is number one, people don't realize that they're thinking a the wrong way. Like they're not even consciously aware of it, like you said, right? Because it feels so natural. And I think it goes even a little further than that to say like, people don't even realize that they're taking an action at all. Right. Like people, people think that the way that a lot of people will be like, well, I'm not doing that or I'm not doing that. But like, but you are doing something. And like you, you are choosing to live in a way, even if you don't consciously, even if you're not aware that that's what you're choosing, you're still choosing it. Even if right? you don't, Josh, even if you don't choose anything, it's still a choice to not do anything. Exactly. And so what you said, and I think you and I probably went on a very similar journey with this of like, the first thing that I had to do was I had to become aware of what was going on in my life. And so I would literally go through and I got like this little journal or this little notebook and I would carry it around in my pocket and everything, this was like a, a week long activity I did. It was the most annoying week of my life, but it was so eye opening where I literally, everything that I did I just asked myself why I was doing it. And so when like, when I would put on the t-shirt that I put on, I was like, why am I wearing this t-shirt? And then I'd be like, why am I eating what I'm eating? Why do I live where I live? Like, why do I have my friends that I do? Why am I, why am I, you know, why do I buy Apple products? Why do I have the car that I have? Like, why do I eat as fast as I do? Why do I believe these things? Why do I have this thing about money? And I started writing these all things, these things down. And like, why do I want to be rich and famous? Why do I want to have a lot of followers on Instagram? Why, like, why do I want all these things? And I started like, just bringing these things that were in my subconscious mind that I didn't even realize I was making that choice. And I brought them into my conscious awareness. And I was like, yo, like all of these things that I'm doing, I'm doing because somebody else programmed me that way. Exactly. Isn't it crazy? Yes. It's absolutely crazy. And what's crazy is, is, is for me, it was a big awakening and, and, and I still challenge the whole culture, the whole freaking culture, because when I grew up in Bulgaria, it's a drastically different culture. But these rules, these laws, these human laws are still applying, right? And I, I was programmed to think a certain way overseas. And, and, you know, we had all these rituals. We had all these superstitious. We had all these, the money is evil talks. And we had all these, <laughs> you know, all of these things. And I, and, I, and I hated it. I hated it. You know, I literally did. And I, when I started geeking out on this matter, I started figuring out, okay, how can I be happy? How, how can I feel happy? Because everyone says, you know, Find your purpose, you know, find your purpose and, and work towards it and help a lot of people and, and, and be happy and be fulfilled, you know, live a fulfilling life. Well, it's easier said than done. First of all, I started geeking out. No one tells you exactly how to necessarily. Your purpose is not something that you're like, oh, I know my purpose. You know, it's something that you, you start exploring and you go on this journey of trial and error and trial and error and see what fascinates you. And you start like mastering it and you start like seeing that this is actually what you're passionate about and you start doing it. But it's again, it's a choice. And, and, and all of this, I think, starts once you declare, like, what do you really want to achieve with your life? Who do you really want to be? Who do you really want to help? 
you know who, who do you want to be seen as when 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 you pass you know or whatever and 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 uh, that's when i truly started figuring out what i'm passionate about and what i like doing and then i started geeking out on the okay well how do you actually know that you're living a fulfilling life what is fulfillment what does it actually do and then i started geeking out you know i started i realized that it's it's on you know on, on, on and there's a lot of theories right carl jung i started reading a lot of his stuff as well but yeah was, yeah for sure it, it was uh you know it was the eudaimonia and and i'm not sure if i pronounce it right but basically like okay you know you need to figure out what what makes you happy uh what makes you happy like long term Who, what's what are you passionate about what do you want to do long term and then the day-to-day -day tasks are they actually making you happy and and so when these two align when the day-to-day -day tasks make you happy and the long term and they and all these day-to-day -day tasks that you're doing that are making you happy are contributing to your long-term purpose in your life that's it that's when you have a fulfilling life and that's when i had this light bulb come off in my head and i'm just like wow you know this this makes a lot of sense you know and it, it's it, it's not like i thought it was going to be you know in the beginning obviously everyone has these epiphanies but you know it's not like money is going to make you happy it's not like a status is going to make you happy you know me i trained my whole life to become an olympian and thinking that you know once you're an olympian done you're set for life you know everybody's just going to be loving you okay that's not the case i went to the olympics i had an okay experience it was it was fulfilling moment but it was also depressing because i was there it's not what i expected and then i then it was like this question okay now what you're i was no one again like i said in the business world so so now what what do i do so then you start going into downhill depression type of moment and it's very very hard to shake your you know shake yourself off of this this you know pity and victim mentality and and reorganize and refocus and restructure your thoughts and go back on the right path you know, basically rebuilding again, you know, this, this, uh, white belt mentality, you know, always learning. So, um, so, so yes, it was, it was, it was an awakening for me, but, but like I said, I started geeking out on these things and I found, I found fulfillment. I've been happier ever since I communicated this with my wife. We're both on the same page. Now we both are, are a lot happier in our marriage. Um, and, uh, it's just been awesome ever since then, you know, I, I love that. I think it's super interesting what you were saying there about like knowing what it is that you're trying to do, what, who it is that you're trying to serve. Like, um, so it's funny because I, I actually have a tattoo that says choose happiness. Right. So I, I'm very much big on the fact that I believe that happiness is a choice, right. And that you can choose it at any, at any given time. And I think that one of the problems though, that run, people run into is that they think that they're going to be happy all the time. Right. And it's, and it's interesting because I think there's a difference between, and I think they're similar, but I think there's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. Right. And so like, when I plan my goals, I look at them and go, okay, what's going to make me happy? But more importantly, what's going to make me be fulfilled? Because here's the deal. If I am living a fulfilled life, if I am doing things, and I remember um, like literally just the two days ago, I was, I was coming home. I landed. It was late Saturday night. I'm getting home from an event and I, I'm like coming off the event high and I'm driving, like I land in, in Denver and I get in the car and I'm driving home and I got all the windows rolled down and it's just wonderful. I pull out Boxer and I box my coach. I have a coach, her name's Katie Richardson. She's one of them. Do you know Katie? Katie's I like- I don't know her personally, but I follow her stuff. Okay, Katie is literally the most phenomenal, one of them, I mean like she's absolutely changed my life, right? She, she's an amazing, amazing coach. Anyway, so I box her and I'm like, Katie, I've never felt more alive right now in my life than I do right now. 
And I'm like, I just got engaged and I've, you know, we're, we're growing cash flow, and we've got the podcast and we're developing this curriculum and I get to hang out with all these amazing people. And, you know, we're, you know, chatting with Russell about some big stuff, like all of these amazing, amazing things. And it's funny because as I was developing that at like at any given point, I could choose to be happy, but happiness was not the driving factor. Fulfillment was living my purpose, understanding who I was and being completely in alignment with the thing that was going to make me alive, make me feel like I'm living who I know I can be and being fulfilled in that. And it's but, like this underlying, it's this underlying theme of like, if I am living in alignment and doing the thing that fulfills me, then at any given point, I can choose happiness. Exactly. And it, even if I'm not happy in that moment, even if like something's rough or even if it's, you know, you're struggling, like you have the ability to go, I'm happy and I can be happy knowing that even in this moment of tribulation, even in this moment where I'm struggling a little bit, I can choose to be happy because I know that this is leading me towards the thing that's going to allow me to live fulfilled. And yeah. that's only possible if you're living in alignment, if you know who you are and you know what it is that you're doing with your life. I think yeah. it's, it's crucial. Absolutely. And I think, I think I personally did. So I'm assuming, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people struggle with doing this, you know, declaring what is their super big purpose, but what is their, how do they know what their purpose is? You know, how do they make that choice? Cause that's a big choice. And people are scared of making that big commitment. It's like, okay, how, this is it. This is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Or this is who, what I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life. You know, so it's a yeah. hard. Well, but it's interesting because it's like, I don't think you declare it for the rest of your life. I think you declare who you are at the present moment and then you evolve. Like you yeah. grow, like you're constantly expanding. And it's funny because like when my coach, you know, you know, Katie, when we were talking about this, Katie was like, Josh, I want you to, to look into the future and I want you to imagine like, who's the best version of Josh? Like who's the best version that you can, that you can imagine for yourself right now. Right. And this was, you know, at the beginning of this year and I was like, I was in a crazy spot at the beginning of this year, dude, my brother, my brother died in a helicopter crash at the beginning of 2019. I ended up selling my business. He left behind, you know, a, a five-year-old son and a baby on the way, you know, cause he was, you know, like that messed me up. So I ended up selling my business, traveling around the world. It's supposed to be a four month trip, two months into it. My girlfriend now fiance, but girlfriend at the time gets an intestinal eating parasite, we have to fly her home on an emergency trip from the Philippines to the US. I'm sitting there in the basement of my girlfriend's house at Christmas time going, like, what is my life right now? You know what I mean? I've got no business. I, I'm still trying to, to figure everything out. And so like I'm sitting there and like Katie's like, Josh, like, what's the best version of yourself? You know, because I started coaching and I'm like, well, you know, the future of me is like, I'm a podcaster and I have, you know, influence and I'm helping people live their best life. And like I'm going through and she goes, cool. Now, now declare that, like own that. That's who you are. Right. And I'm like, like that there's resistance there. I'm yeah. not there. Right. I'm not that person yet. And so like getting into that, I think people have a really hard time understanding. I don't want to go like too deep down the rabbit hole, but like time is time's a myth, right? Like time, time doesn't exist except in our physical reality. But when we understand that there's a spiritual reality and then there's a mental reality, and then there's a physical reality and like the physical reality is the last thing that's manifested and like your mental reality and your spirituality, they don't deal in time. Like that's instantaneous stuff. So you can go declare and you can like speak into existence, like who you are and who you want to be. Like most people really wrestle with that. And yep. like they have a hard time because they feel like they have to box themselves in if, if they are declaring what they are for the rest of their life. Well, let me yep. tell you something like the best version of Josh in January of 2020, like when I declared it originally, the best version of who I could even imagine myself is so radically different than who I can see myself now. And yeah. so it's like you, you step into this best version of yourself every day. And then as you grow, 
whether it's every month or every three months or every six months, like you reanalyze where you're going and you, you go and you say, okay, who's the best version of myself now? Who do I need to be now? And like, as you grow, you can unlock new things, but most people are stuck and they think that the only thing they can do is listen to their boss or their teacher or their parents or the president. And it's like, I just want to grab them through the screen and like shake them and be like, wake up, man. Like, well, well, here, here you are. Okay. You, you your stuff does influence me. I, I follow your stuff and I appreciate I, that. I like it a lot. Okay. I, I obviously I like it. And, uh, um, so you're influencing one person, okay? But <laughs> I know you're influencing a lot of people and uh, you're already doing it, you know, you're doing your best version. And, and it's it's amazing to to see that, that, you know, back like 10 months ago, you were not there and, and now right. you're way more there, right? You're, you're here, you're doing it. And it's amazing to see, but what you're talking about, about the physical and spiritual, what, and manifesting, what what made it click for me and absolutely blew my mind is when I read this, that, that, uh, that, that your brain, doesn't know the difference between recalling a recalling a memory or visualizing in the future and i was like your know, brain doesn't know the difference and, and, it, and it literally blew my mind and that's when i really started like i had i was so happy <laughs> in a way <weird, laughs> like it was like wait a minute so all these memories that i'm recalling feeling sad about myself that that i've been cheated that i've been i've been you know uh, I've been screwed out of an opportunity and something messed me up and whatever. Why do I keep repeating these freaking memories? I can, I can literally edit them and, and make them sound so much better and makes me feel so much happier and changes my whole body chemistry. The whole chemistry in my body changes, you know, and I'm so much happier person because of that. And that helps me, you know, then see who I want to be in the future. You know, uh, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was changing for me. Well, and I think that's fascinating because so the subconscious mind has no moral compass. It doesn't know right or wrong. The subconscious mind literally just remembers things and it has, and you can't access, like you can't fully access the, the subconscious or the unconscious mind. And I know those are technically different things, but we'll use them as the same thing for now. But like it has a perfect memory from the time you were born up until now, it recalls absolutely everything, but it doesn't know how to, like, it doesn't know how to, it, uh, there's no critical thinking aspect to it. That happens in a different section of your mind. And so like if your brain, if you're like telling it, like this is what happened and it's just going to repeat that over and over and over again. But if you just like literally change the story, if you just like change what you tell it, it doesn't like your subconscious brain doesn't know how to think. Yep. It's That's not what it's designed to do. It's designed to receive a program and repeat that program over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that's why we're able to get, go ahead. Hop in. And then to, it's it's my subconscious mind's job to then create that reality for me, meet me with the right people, connect me with the right people, present the right opportunities for me, makes me feel a certain way. You know, all these things just align afterwards. All you have to do is change the story, believe the story that you're telling yourself, right? And everything, everything else, just leave it. Don't stress about it. You know, let the subconscious mind take care of it. Right. Because let it do its thing. Because like, if you, like, if you have programmed your subconscious mind to believe that you're not worthy of, let's say you make $65,000 a year, right? And you tell your subconscious mind that you're not worth any more than $65,000 a year, that it's going to be harder, difficult for you to make money anywhere else, that, um, that, you know, opportunities do not come to you regularly. You know what your subconscious mind is going to do? What I was saying, it's called cognitive bias, right? It'll, is literally going to find, and now, and keep in mind, 90% of everything that you consume you don't realize you're consuming it. Meaning like when I look at around at a room 
Am I going to remember a hundred percent every detail of that room? No. Why do I remember the details of that room? I remember the 10% of consciousness that I have told my mind to, to notice, right? Same thing is true in life. If I tell my brain to turn off the things that are opportunities to not recognize when there's money-making opportunities, when there's success-driven opportunities to turn off all those things. My brain is going to on purpose, not recognize those things. The subconscious mind, it'll read them, but then it'll store them away and be like, we never need to access that. Why? Because that's the thing that you told yourself. Right. So like blinders are a good thing, but blinders are a terrible thing when you're being blinded from the fact that, you know, there's all this opportunity out there. And so when I went and I started shifting my mindset to being like, I'm already a winner, right? right? Like somebody, somebody told me, um, or I was at uh, an event over the weekend and they're like, so Josh, uh, when he, like, are you ever going to speak at Funnel Hacking Live? I'm like, oh yeah, like that's already done. Like I've, I'm speaking at Funnel Hacking Live. Oh, they're like, oh sweet, Russell asked you. I was like, no, but like, that's already done, right? Like I've already, like, you know what I mean? Like I've decided that and I'm acting in that way and I'm finding opportunities to, to like believe and to like reinforce the fact. I'm like, oh, when I look at a Funnel Hacking Live speaker, I'm like, what do they do? How do they act? How do they live? What attracted them to Russell? I'm just going to live in that way. And by default, it will happen, right? And you know, Russell, if you're watching this episode, Anyway, um, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying though? And so like when it comes to building a successful business, when it comes to having success in life, it's not a, for me, it's not a question of, is it going to happen or not? It's like, do I choose it to happen or don't I? And when you, I think the biggest piece that people get messed up on, and it's funny because like my mom, so like, I love my family. They very different world than I do. Right. Um, so like my mom asked me the question, she's like, Josh, you say you can create your own reality. You say you can go out there and like bring things into fruition or like whatever. But like, what if, like, what if your sister wants to be a soccer player and she doesn't get into the university that she wanted to get into, right? Or what if somebody wants to be X and they don't get the first step into it? And my response is, and I think this is important, like you get to choose your outcome or you get to choose the path, but you don't get to choose both, right? And when you look at it that way, you go, okay, I get to choose the outcome that I want and I will let the universe, God, whatever you want to believe, guide me in that path to get there because I am consistently every single day choosing the outcome or I can make my choices every single day about the path that I want to take. And if I choose my path, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Exactly. If I choose the outcome, any hurdle that if I don't get accepted into my university, if I don't make my million dollars this year, that's simply a roadblock that now turns into a tool that will prep me to become the person I need to be to become get the outcome that I want to get. Yeah, yeah. No, this is awesome. This is awesome, and I and I literally thought, you know, I've I've spent so much time thinking about this, you know, about the path. That if you don't, okay, let's say I want to live my life, and I'm gonna make these choices, but I'm not necessarily gonna worry about what my end goal is. I'm just gonna make the best choice that I can make right now with the situation that I know right now, with the you know the input, the the knowledge, the whatever, all the resources that I have available to me right now. I'm gonna make a choice, and I'm gonna just live my life that way. But then I started thinking, okay, well, if you do this. If you do this, you're never you're never gonna produce anything that that you want to produce. Why? Because for one, you don't know what that is. So it's like trying to hit a target that doesn't exist. Like how are you gonna hit that target that doesn't exist? You can't. You know. So you first have to know what you, what the target is, what the the end outcome is. That's what you want to decide. Okay. If you don't have that, you're just making the same choices that that uh that you've been reprogrammed that you've been programmed to think. Right, you're just making, you're going in a loop. The, the autopilot. That's so. That's such a key point. 
So, so that's why I think the other option, what you're saying is choosing your end goal, choosing what you want to be is crucial. You have to do that. And, and then the choices may be different on day to day and it'll be easier to make because all you have to do is ask yourself, okay, does this choice align with my end goal or not? If it doesn't, don't do it. If it does do it. And so, so that's why it's so much easier to do it that way. Like, so, and I think the perfect example of this is like, imagine, and, and I know this is an oversimplified, you know, version of this. Like, right. I think if, this, like, imagine your goal was to have a billion dollar exit. Okay. So two parallel universes in right. one, one universe, number one, you have, uh, I'm going to use click funnels as an example, right? Yeah. Like, so in universe one, you own click funnels and you're a $50 million company at this point. And in universe two, you own click funnels and you're a $50 million you know, company at this point, right? If in universe number one, you have a goal to make a billion dollars and have a billion dollar exit. And in universe two, you're going to just do whatever you think is best at the time. If somebody comes to you at that $50 million mark and goes, Hey, I'll give you $50 million for your company. Where do I sign? <laughs> right? So is your answer going to be, where do I sign? Or is it going to be, no, I have a billion dollar exit. Well, guess what? If you have no goal, if you don't know where you're going, the second somebody comes to you and goes, I'll write you a $50 million check. You go, give me my 50 million. Sounds great. But is that actually going to move you closer to your goal? If you want to be a billionaire? In no way that would, that would, that would actually take you away from your goal. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I know that's an oversimplified version, but like people think a lot of times that they're making a good decision yeah. or a, a bad decision based on the fact that they have no target. Yeah. But if you have a target, if you have a goal and you have this outcome that you want to go build in life, then you can make decisions based on that outcome. Exactly. But nobody, like nobody thinks like that anymore. And it's like, it's so wild to me because I'm like, well, Josh is like, no, that's a great example, but but you're saying no one thinks that way. Listen, it's not people's fault. Where who teaches them to think that way? You know, Napoleon Hill in all of his books says, okay, well, the education system doesn't think you doesn't doesn't teach you how to think. They don't teach you how to be happy. They don't teach you how to, you know, it's just like you fall into a system and it's a it's a fear-based system, first of all. It's like you do or you get punished. Okay. So yeah. that's that's the last thing you want to do is be a leader that's fear-based, right? You don't, you don't want to scare people because they get limited. They get trapped in a box. They're not creative. They, they, they're not free. People are not free, okay, mentally. And so, but yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. No, unless they, something shakes them up, right? Something shakes them up in life and they have a life-changing event where they either meet a mentor or something drastically tragic happens in their life or something happens, a life-changing event, and it takes them on this journey to self-fulfillment where they start geeking out like we did. You and I did the same similar things, right? And they start reading and they start seeing what's out there. Now they're like, why didn't no one teach me this? Yeah. And so I hope a lot of people listen to this because it, it truly can be life-changing for them. All they have to do is pick up one book, one book at a time, read one chapter. You don't have to read 10,000 things, one chapter and then if you don't like it, then that's maybe not for you. But I don't know how you wouldn't like that when it's right. that it's making you happy. It's, it's setting you on a path to success and freedom, right? And and I don't know. I don't know how that would well, make it. It was interesting. So I, I was listening to Ty Lopez, who I think Ty Lopez is brilliant, right? Like, I think he's a super, super smart dude. But anyway, he was saying how, you know, and, and, and for those of you that don't know Ty, big time internet marketer turned entrepreneur turned, I mean, he's huge now he's buying companies left and right but he, he big into psychology and studying people and he's like there's a reason that 
you know, most of my messaging is targeted to 18 to 28 year olds because it's scientifically proven that over the age of 28, between 28 and 30, that's when your brain is fully developed. That's when your subconscious mind is fully taken over. And in order for somebody to, the likeliness that somebody changes over the age of 30 is almost zero unless they have a major traumatic life-changing experience that's out of their control, AKA a divorce, uh, a sibling or a loved one dies, right? They lose everything in, in you know the stock market crash unless there is a traumatic experience because people get so set in their ways. And so over the age of 30, he's like, I'm not saying there's not much help for you guys because he's like, anybody can change, but he goes, it's so significantly harder to change after that fact. And so that's why his messaging is geared towards those 18 to 28 year olds, because he says at that point, they're usually in that phase where they're still searching and they're still discovering. And he yeah. says, it's so important to get somebody in that state of mind and convince them that they are in control of their life because, and, and you look at the, the education system today, the education system was designed to produce factory workers. It was designed to get people to not think for themselves, but to literally like, and, and back in the day, like that wasn't really a bad thing. Like I would argue it was, but like in theory, like it's not a bad thing that they were producing people for that because like, that's what the world needed at that point. Robots. Right. But now we have automation, we have AI, we have robots, we have tech, and now we need people to be able to think, but the education system has never been updated. And yeah. so like, what we're talking about is like coming in and saying like, we're, you're fighting 30, 40, 50 years of subconscious programming in a society that is subconsciously programmed someone to think this way. Yeah. And so it's so crazy because like people, and it's, I get this all the time. I'm sure you've seen it. Like Josh, stay in your lane. You don't know what you're talking about, right? Oh, Josh, like you're just that young millennial wait until you grow up and face reality. And then you'll realize that your ideas don't work. Right. It's and I, <laughs> right, right. And then, so it's like, I, I hear it and I'm like, I don't. What is, what is reality? It is what you make it. You know, at the end of the day, it's what you make it. So you create your own. You're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. Again, the, 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 the autopilot and, and unless they consciously first make a choice to change, you know, that people don't change. They're too comfortable in their comfort zone. Why would they change? Right. So, so yeah, you like, you're how, saying. how much has, uh, wrestling played into your mindset? A lot, but you know, what's crazy and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It has made me very mentally tough person because I had to go through a lot of, and this maybe is for another episode, but how I ended up in the U S why I ended up in the U S when I was 16 years old by myself with, with, without speaking English and never look back is, is another story. And, um, and, uh, what, what made me mentally tough is, you know, I, I know that anything that I, that I want to achieve now, I know I will, it's a matter of time. Like you said, it's already done. Like you speaking at FHO, I have no doubt that you will do that. And, and because I can listen to you speak and it's, I can hear you speaking, you know, and it's the same thing It's Anything that I set my mind to, I know I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of time. And, and wrestling helped me get there mentally. But what really helped me realize that that is true and possible and how to make it easier is when I geeked out on, on that stuff after I quit wrestling. And that once I started mm. the entrepreneurial world, self-development, personal growth, reading all these books, that's what made me uh, happier because it made me realize that, hey, this is possible. You're not crazy. You can do anything that you want to do. You know, you just have to know how to do it quicker, faster, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and now that I, I think I'm getting close, right. You never know completely everything, but right. 
we're far from, we're far from knowing everything, but what I'm saying is, you know, I, I continue to learn, I continue to improve and, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's making me just even more mentally stronger because, because, uh, I know that nothing is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super interesting too, but okay. I want to go back to this whole, I didn't realize you were 16. Couldn't speak English when you came over here. Like we have time. Can we go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, we can. Yeah. So, uh, like, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so would you like me to go? Yeah, down? dude, of course. How did like, okay. Let me go on a 30 second rant real quick before you start down this path. The generation of, I don't know if you call it millennials or you call it the, I don't know, entitled kids in America today that think that they are owed success or they think they're owed a, 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 an easy life or free college or free money or free, well, whatever. I'm like, do you understand that there are people that literally risk their entire livelihoods to escape socialism, to come over to America that risk their entire lives to come here? Like it is a mindset. If you want to succeed in life, it is literally just a mindset. And people are like, Josh, you're such a Trump fan, right? You're just looking out for your best interest. I'm like, do you understand that whether Trump gets elected or Biden gets elected, I'm going to be rich, wealthy, and successful because I will not let a politician of any sort control my own destiny. And that's like the mindset that we have to have. But like people are so dang entitled that they don't realize that they're living in the literally the best country in the history of mankind to live in. And they're complaining because, oh my gosh, like I don't get free college or I don't get free education. When there's people like you who literally come over at 16, I can't wait to hear your story, like risking everything. Ah, it makes me so mad. Like wake the freak up and realize that you have the most amazing, incredible life living in the most amazing, incredible country in the history of mankind. Okay. I just had to get that out of my system. Ugh. All right. Let's talk about where did you come from? How did you get over here? Amen to that. Yeah. So, well, here's how it started. I, uh, I was, um, well, my father, my father was a really good wrestler, excellent wrestler, very successful. Um, and so I didn't really have much of a choice, right? As soon as I was born, I started following him because he, fortunately for me, he competed, uh, until he was 36 years old. So he had, they had me, my parents had me when he was 21. So I actually grew up watching my father compete. And so I would go to the wrestling gyms and, and, you know, started playing around and then started, you know, digging deeper into it, learning and training, and then it got intense and right. So, and long story short is uh, for that is, you know, I'm training, competing until uh, I was, I was 14 years old. So until I was 14, I would, like I said, again, like I said in the beginning of this, I wasn't the most talented kid. I wasn't the quickest, fastest, strongest, etc. But I had a work ethic. And fortunately, you know, my father, pushed me in the right path to, to not slack, right? Again, that, you know, parenting, right? Creating the right values and hard work ethic, et cetera. So I continued to work hard. I continued to learn. I was a student of the sport, worked my butt off. And I ended up being very, very good for my age in, in Bulgaria. I was, uh, I, I, I didn't win anything until my freshman year of high school, okay? But then when I did win that first thing, it's like breaking the four-minute mile, right? I won my first... A national tournament and then I didn't lose for two years I was uh I was actually pound for pound one of the best kids growing up in Bulgaria and uh I was four times national champion I took fifth in Europe in Europeans made the, the European uh the Bulgarian national team wrestled in Europe took fifth in Europeans which was pretty good uh, and uh all that was great right 
and I was from a somewhat smaller town. But then I got recruited to go wrestle in the in Sofia, in the capital. And I was uh, I lived in a four star hotel, you know, where you know you got the saunas, the the room service, the hot tubs. You were living it up, man. I was living it up, and everything was paid for. And I'm four, 14 years old, right? 15, no, I was fifteen years old when I left. That's crazy. That wait, were were your parents there with you, or were you living alone? No, living alone, living that's, alone. Fifteen that's years. Wild. Old. I went to the big city by myself. Right, they put me in the hotel with uh, one other kid. We're both really, really good, obviously, and we we stayed there and we were roommates. And uh, fifteen year olds, right? Like room service, hot tubs, saunas, right? The whole thing. And uh, it, it was great. It was we were living up. Our job was literally to, uh, uh, and we were somewhat we were homeschooled, right? So our job was to just do our classes and go to two practices per day. That was it. So I had. Uh, I had nine practices per week. Okay. So I was, I was at that point, a professional athlete. Uh, you know, I was, I was training like I was a professional athlete and it was great. I loved it until I was 15 years old and, uh, I won my national tournament in January. And then right after that in practice, I got hurt. I went for a wrestling move. I twisted my back wrong and I just collapsed. Right. And I got, I got hurt and I wasn't able to walk right away. They took me to four or five different hospitals and all these high level doctors, you know, professionals were saying that this may stunt my growth. And I was weighing 90 pounds at the time. Right. I was tiny. So oh, this, this may stunt my growth. I may not be able to walk again. I'll be fortunate if I ever wrestle again. You know, all these all these traumatizing thoughts. Right. They were just saying all these things to, to me. I right there in front of them. So my coach at the time heard all these things and kicked me off the team right away because he didn't want to be liable for me. And he, he didn't think that he needs me anymore because I was no good to him basically. That's so, what, and you're like 15 years old. You hear all these things and your coach is like, peace. See ya. Exactly. So I was, I found myself literally on the street at 15 years old and I'm thinking what like overnight. Right. And I'm thinking what in the heck just happened? Like I was living high and you know, for 15 years old and then uh lost everything didn't even know if i can walk again so my dad took me home uh we went through some treatments some like chiropractic asian medicine i don't know what we did but we did i know i remember we did uh about six weeks of 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 this this uh, uh treatment and i ended up actually getting better i improved okay so i was i i was feeling good i started and i improved this was about Four months from when I won nationals to when the next national tournament was. Okay, so in these four months, I was basically recovering, not doing anything. Kicked off the team on my own, and as soon as I recovered, I had about three weeks left to the next tournament. Okay, and I was feeling pretty good, you know. Obviously, completely out of shape. I haven't done anything for three and a half months, and I decided, you know what? I don't have a team. I don't have a club. I am gonna cut weight. I'm going to make weight again so into fall into a weight class. I'm going to get on the mat and I'm going to compete again. Okay. Unattached. And I did that and I ended up barely, but I ended up winning a national tournament again, unattached. And I get goosebumps talking about this. Okay. Part. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So you're cut from your team. You have all these things that supposedly you may never wrestle again. You may never walk again, that type of stuff. Yeah. My oh. spine was was something wrong with it it was it was 
something was fractured and it was attaching my spinal it was uh it was affecting my spinal cord I, I don't know exactly what it was i was too young to even acknowledge what was happening right but but yes so so then so then you heal or you're, you you get better you go through this treatment and then three weeks before the national tournament you decide i'm gonna without a club without a team without a coach I, i'm gonna cut weight i'm gonna go i'm gonna get back into this i'm gonna compete and you go and end up competing and you end up winning yeah, I, I was I was on the on the I was so upset at, at the circumstances. I was so mad at what happened that that my dad and I wanted to I wanted to prove a point and my dad coached me and I was unattached and I ended up yeah, I actually I ended up winning a title again, made the, the European team again. Yep. Dude, that's such an inspiring story. Like yeah. that's like the story of like just round of applause. <laughs> dude. That that is that is crazy awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I can't you. wait to continue with the story, but like that's awesome. I appreciate it. So anyways, that was a big awakening moment for me. That was a big aha moment that, okay, when I, when I thought that wrestling was going to be a, a career for life and that was it, all my eggs in one basket, right? I realized that, okay, wrestling's not forever. One injury and you're out. Okay. So I started, I had set a new goal, right? I declared that what I wanted to actually do is get a college education from the U S because it meant something worldwide. And I knew that whatever happens, I will find a job somewhere if I had a college education because it meant that I would learn English, you know, I'd learn English well enough to speak, speak the language. That's what I was thinking at the time, right? I'd learn English. Uh, I'd have a college degree from the U.S. and I know that I'll always be able to find a job somewhere. So that became mission number one. Okay. From there, I don't know how it happened again. Okay. That was in, that was in late May when I made that choice. In August, a friend of ours came from the States to visit Bulgaria, stayed with us. And my dad knew him because my dad had coached in the U.S. He came to the U.S. and coached a camp, okay, and, and uh, went back and made that connection. And then the guy said, hey, I want to come visit your country. And we invited him to stay with us and came to Bulgaria, stayed with us. We took him around, showed him a good time, loved it. August, he invited me to come visit his family. And my dad, of course, was like, sure, you know, go. You have not, you don't have a club. You don't have anything else going on. So go and, and see how it is. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I went to the U.S. And uh, yeah, I, I, I never went back. Nine, nine years later is when I went back to Bulgaria for the first time again. So how did you, so you come over there, you land. This was a friend of yours, you said, right? Yeah, I knew when I came to the States, I knew one person, one person only. And I came and I stayed with him. I, I didn't know. I had no clue how everything was going to work out. Right. But what actually happened was this. I came here. I, I, I stayed with him and I actually came for 15 days. That's what I knew. I, I thought I was coming for 15 days just to visit, wrestle around a little bit with their club, you know, meet some. And people. where wait, where was this at? Underwood, Iowa. Council Bluffs, Underwood, Iowa. OK, so you come over here. You know, one person, you think you're going to be here for 15 days. You end up never going back, but you don't know any English. Like, what did you do for money? What did you do for, like, how did that work? All right, so here, here it is. So, um, so yes, I, I came here. I knew one person, and actually, he was a farmer. So, I went from Bulgaria, like, I lived in a city, to coming on a farm. Bro, <laughs> dude, okay, quick pause moment for, I grew up on a farm, man. So, like, farming, is like, for 10 years of my life, I helped our neighbor's farm and we farmed a couple thousand acres and doing everything. We had chickens and goats and cows and everything you can think of. So that's wild. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
So I go on a farm and it's a drastically different lifestyle. <laughs> I, uh, to me, it was fun. I was like, this is awesome. This is new, exciting, right? And, and I'm a kid. I'm 16 years old when I came. So I, uh, from there, I, I met my high school coach, which is now my partner with the software, my best man in my way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I met that person. And he took me over his wing, right? He, he, uh, I lived with him. I didn't have to worry about expenses. Uh, he took care of all that. He hired an attorney right away, an immigration lawyer. Uh, we changed my visa from a visitor visa to a student visa so I can go to school. But then before that happened, I was 12 days into the trip, right? And I called my parents and, and, and people here asked in the US said, hey, why don't you stay for a year, go to school, wrestle, see how you like it, learn the language, excuse me, a little bit, and see how you like it. And I said, this sounds awesome. This, in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to do this. I want to go to school here. This is what I really wanted to do. And so uh, I said, great, how do we do this? And they're like, well, maybe you should probably call your parents first. So I, I, call, <laughs> I call my mom and my dad in Bulgaria, and I 12 days into it, and I said, hey, I'm staying. I, I'm not coming back. I, I'm going to stay here and go to school here. I like it a lot. These people are really nice. And my mom just starts bawling, right? She starts crying on the phone, going insane. Uh, and I and I said, and back then we didn't even have Skype yet, you know, it was, and I lived on a farm where had a dial-up internet. So I can't even, even the phone calls were with like, you had to buy these vouchers or these credit, you know, these points. I don't remember how it was, but. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, I just said, hey, I'm I'm staying here. I'm not. I'm not going back. This is what I want to do. I don't have anything to do back home. I, I don't like that corrupt country. I don't like I don't like anything about it. So I'm staying here. She starts crying. Are, are you going to be okay? You know, do you need anything? You know, and I said I'm fine. I'll I'll, I'll let you know if I need anything. I can always come back, right? I can always right get right. So I said I'll give it a try. Uh, and and it and it started. And so what I did was I created a new goal. Okay, every day, every day. All I did was my goal was to learn 50 to 100 new words in English. I bought a dictionary and I started writing every word, started every writing every word, writing every word and started learning 50 to 100 new words every day. And I uh, and all I did was did that and go to practice. And I and that's all I did for the first six, seven months. Okay, I actually skipped 11th grade in high school, by the way. But <laughs> when I <laughs> all right. when I uh, so I did all that, they transferred. They and, how, and how old are you at this time? 16 i just turned 17 so you just at 17 16 17 years old are like psych i'm out yeah going to america yes i love that yeah and and uh and so anyway started learning the language you know interacting with with teammates they helped me with the with the language and uh and then they transferred my grades from bulgaria and i in my senior year i took courses to catch up with with so i can have enough credits to graduate high school yeah, uh, and I started studying for the TOEFL, which is a uh, uh, English proficiency exam to be able to accept to be accepted in the university. I took the SAT, uh, you know, barely scored enough on both of those because my English wasn't that that good yet. So I barely scored enough on all these to get like conditionally accepted at UNO. Uh, and uh, anyways, and yeah, so since then the rest is the rest is history. I I, I passed all these. I graduated high school. I went. I had a really good season for wrestling. I went, I went, uh, 54 and one on the high school season. Wow. And I, I, I all Americans, uh, that summer in both styles, freestyle and Greco. I, I took all American. I was, I was number five recruit for my, my class in the country, in the U S when I, when it was in one year. <laughs> so, uh, 
right then and there, I, I got college offers and I wanted to be close to, to my, my mentor at the time. It's still my mentor, right? We're business partners now, but I wanted to be close. So I went to University of Nebraska at Omaha. They had did, you, did you live on campus or did you live at home? Yeah, I, live, I lived on campus. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they, which what was crazy is I couldn't afford to go to school, right? And right. I wasn't relying on my parents for anything at the time. And uh, but I got a I got a full ride. I got a full ride out of wow. high school. Yeah, and and uh, I I passed all my classes. So then another phone call, right? I'm calling my parents, and I said, "Hey, I got a college scholarship. I'm not coming back." <laughs> oh, no. uh, Your mom, I've lost it. She did. You know, she was actually kind of going into depression. She lost a lot of weight. She hasn't seen me. She had no idea where it was at. And actually what's crazy about Bulgaria and, and this whole, it's very political, right? But she applied to come visit me for my graduation and uh, they didn't let her come. They, uh, they screamed at her and saying that I was here illegal. They, they, wait, they, wait, 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 wait. America didn't let her come or the, Bulgaria didn't let her? American embassy in Bulgaria didn't give her a visa to come see me at my graduation. And uh, at this time they told her that I was here illegal. They screamed at her and she calls me and she said, is she saying, what are you hiding from me? What are you not telling me? You know, why are you illegal? And I said, listen, I am not illegal. Everything is legal. I, I, I have my student visa right here. I'm graduating high school. I'm going to college. I have a full ride. I'm doing, I'm working my butt off. I'm doing everything the right way. They're lying to you. Uh, and so anyway, so then uh, my mentor wrote an invitation letter again. We contacted the, the, the U.S. Embassy in Bulgaria. Uh, and she went to a second interview and came and saw me after two years. She came for 15 days. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. What's, um, how is Bulgaria different than America? Oh, in, in many ways, right. In many ways, but Bulgaria is, if you go straight West or East, you'd hit Bulgaria from Iowa. So it's on the same, it's, it's in the same, uh, latitude. Or? Yeah. 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 I think that's the right one. Like, know, right. So if, if you wait, 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 no, wait. Latitude is, is it isn't, isn't latitude the ladder? You go up and down, and longitude is long ways. Yes. Yeah, longitude. I think it's latitude, longitude. Yeah, but but yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> and uh, science <laughs> or geography, whatever it is. Right. It's very similar climate to Iowa. It's, okay. Uh, okay. It's four seasons, right? But Paul, it's very corrupt. It's a very corrupt country. Um, it's a very good country if. If you have money to live there, but there's not a whole lot of middle class. It's either you're doing really well or you're doing really bad. And, uh, and so, yeah. What's the government like over there? Like, is it elected leaders? Is it socialist? Is it free market? Right. We have a president and they elected every four years. It's, it's, uh, it's similar, but it's like I said, it's very corrupt and it's, very corrupt. Uh, it's just, you know, foreign, foreign countries control Bulgaria. That makes that's, sense. That's the end. We're too small, and people, uh, you know, people kind of sold their their souls for money. And, what's uh, the primary? Like, what's the primary? Uh, what do they produce over there? Are they agricultural? Are they manufacturer? Are they tourism? Like, what's the primary? Mm -hmm. We have tourism. We're we're known for Bulgaria is known for its yogurt and and cheese, feta cheese, very well known worldwide actually uh, for our yogurt. Uh, because actually, what's there's a bacteria in the yogurt. It's called I can't remember what it's called. But it's, there's a bacteria that it's only found in that area of the world around. Really? Yeah. yeah. So when yogurt started, like Greek yogurt here in the U.S. now, that bacteria had to be transferred here and now it reproduces. And that's how they make Greek yogurt. But it all started in that that part of the world. Like and that's where, you know, yogurt huh. started getting famous in China, like all over the U.S. But or I'm sorry, all over the world. But uh, 
it's known for that. It's known for, um, you know, we have, it's a small country, but we have four seasons and we have mountains. We have Black Sea, which is like, a, you know, the sea there. And we have fields. So we have, you know, everything that we need in a small country. But, um, mm. yeah. So anyways, that's uh, that's how I ended up here. And uh, that's how I ended up at, at UNO. And you're, so my, my fiance went to UNL. Mm -hmm. University of yeah, and she got a. She was she's actually studying to become a doctor, um, but uh, she has a, a nutritionist degree, she's a bachelor uh, in nutrition, um, and so now she's big into yoga and stuff. So I'm actually f somewhat familiar, and my my cousin goes to UNL uh, as well. So she she just started this year. She's a, a freshman there. So that's crazy. Small world. So yeah. you've been in America ever since. Been in America ever since. I uh, I didn't go back for nine years, okay. but started, the first two years were okay. But between like a year and a half into this journey and three years, it was, man, it was tough. I, I remember, you know, I'm 17 years old, right? And, and all these kids are having fun and we'll get together for holidays and they're with families. And, you know, I, don't, I only understand like partial, you know, partially the conversations that are going on and, and they're laughing and having fun playing video games. And I'm just thinking, man, what am I doing here? What are my parents doing back home? I, don't, I can barely understand these people. I, I miss home. I miss my family. So I'll go in the bathroom, right? Pretend like I'm going in the bathroom for a long time and I'll cry mm -hmm. my eyes out and I would, I'll go wash my face, pretend like nothing happened and, and go back out and continue to play with them. But it was, uh, it, it was tough. That was, that was tough. Yeah. Would you say that built character though? Oh, absolutely. Like, like I said, now I feel like I can accomplish anything, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes my wife thinks that I'm somewhat emotionally dead, but <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm wondering. So like, you know, um, there's this whole, you know, one of the big debates I would say is that the topic of either a talk toxic, toxic masculinity, where it's like, Hey, just suppress everything down. And then on the flip side of that, where, um, you know, we don't do enough to heal from those things. And yeah. like, I think there's gotta be a balance. Like I think, so I read a statistic one time that's like, I forget, it's like 75% of people or of like kids or of, of uh, teachers today are women and like 40 something percent of kids are growing up without a father in the home. So like basically roughly 50%, 50 to 60% of all young boys in America are receiving no male, like positive male role model or influence in that. And okay. so how the the problem is not toxic, toxic masculinity, but rather lack of masculinity because there's, you know, no leaders there on the flip side of that. Like you also don't want to become emotionally dead, right? Like you don't want to have to like just shove everything down and never deal with it. So like, would you, and it sounds like you have something to say on that. Yeah. Very, I would agree 100%. I used to just, you know, suppress everything, suppress everything, suppress everything. And I was, uh, it was almost like a, you know, like a robot, you know, I was just like, okay, this is what I got to do. And I'm just doing it. You know, there is no, there is no room for feeling bad about myself or, you know, or, or expressing emotions whatsoever. So actually a big aha moment for me was at FHL when people were talking about how it's actually useful and actually very helpful and very true and raw vulner to be, to being vulnerable. You know, to show your emotions, express your emotions and show people what you went through. And so that's when I started opening up. You know, that's when I started opening up publicly. That's when I started opening up in my relationship. And it felt good. You know, it felt mm. really, it, it, it was a big relief for me. Uh, and I still have very hard time doing that. But like, 
this conversation that we're having right now, five years ago, I would have never, I would have been like, mm. man, I'm so tough, you know, this, I can do anything. And, and, and it was so easy. And I did all this. And, but now, you know, I, as, as I mature, I realized that no, it was actually, it left some big scars, you know, but I'm, I'm working on fixing that and working with it. So I think I have a two part question for you. First part being around in that, in, during that time when things were really hard and you were like, you know what, like, this is just how it is. I'm going to suppress it. I'm going to bottle up. I'm going to keep going. And you know, I'm going to cry my eyes on the bathroom, but then I'm going to put on a tough pace. And I'm going to keep going. Right. Where did that mentality come from? Where did you learn that mentality? It was the wrestling environment that I was brought up with. And, uh, and, uh, I think my father had a big part of this, you know, because in wrestling, there's not a lot of room to show weakness. Um, and that's how it was coached and brought up, you know, because if you, it's almost like, uh, you know, if you show weakness, your opponent feeds off of that. It's just like, you know, a shark smells blood in the ocean and it just gets, you know, it gets, it gets this whole new wave of energy. So same thing. If you show weakness in front of your opponent, you know, they automatically become tougher and they start beating you up even worse. So mm. it's almost like you have to have this poker face and you cannot, you cannot show weakness and, and you're hurt in practice. So what, you know, kind of push through it, that type of mentality. Uh, oh, this hurts. Okay. Big deal. You know, push through it. So that's, that's just the wrestling world. So it's actually very, very tough for wrestlers to show vulnerability. Uh, but, you know, I've talked, you know, I've listened to the way Russell handled it and, uh, and I see how he opens up now. And so he's a big mentor for me. So that's, that's, uh, that, that's what has given me a permission to open up in public. Well, and I was going to ask, so, so at what point did that shift take place to where you're like, okay, yes, it's a good thing to be tough. Yes. It's a good thing to be able to just have the mentality to just push through. But at what point did you start to realize, all right, I've got to open up about this, not only for the sake of others, and like connecting with them, but for my own sake to be able to heal, yeah. like, was there therapy involved there? Was, is it just a learning experience? Who taught you that? Or like, how did that happen? Actually it happened with, uh, Oh gosh. And you would know, I can't believe it just slipped my mind. That, that lady at FHL that, uh, uh Austin Prince. No, that had the accident with, uh, when she was pregnant and she, you know, uh, had an accident where she went. Oh, uh, Natalie Hudson. Ellie Hudson, yep. Yeah, we had her on here. Yeah, that 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 speech is what had what I had this aha moment, and mm. uh, and so then I was like, oh, that's just weird, you know. That's just full <laughs> of yourself, you know. But then Russell made the point afterwards to just keep 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 talking about this, and I'm I just you know I just wanted to ignore all this. It's like me vulnerable, no way, right? So the more I listened to it, the more that was therapeutic to me. You know, that was like, I didn't think of it as, Hey, you, you're going to become a millionaire or you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to become wealthy financially because, because of showing your vulnerability. It was like, it actually feels good to, mm. it was tough. It, it feels good to acknowledge that. But then another shift happened, you know, it's like, okay, at first you agreed that, yeah, it was very, very tough to go through that moment. But then this next shift comes in of, of uh, getting a sense of confidence. It's like, yeah, this was tough, but wait a minute. You actually saw it through. You actually accomplished things when it was really tough. You actually overcame all of these obstacles, you know, and that's when I had a whole nother boost of confidence that, that came through me. And so now, you know, through meditation, through geeking out on, on, on the way the mind works and, 
and uh, the personal growth, you know, stuff. Now, now I can, now at least I'm aware of, of obstacles. I'm aware of these challenging situations and I can recognize them, but I can also recognize that, yes, it's tough, but I can get through it. So I have this whole new level of confidence for anything in my life. And so, although I'm not where I am right now in my, on my entrepreneurial journey and on my business journey, like you said, I, like you said about speaking at FHO, you've already achieved all your goals. It just hasn't happened yet. Same here. I have, I, I have already achieved my financial goal. I have already impacted millions of people and, and I have already proven to myself and my family that I'm worthy. You know, I'm worthy and I can support them and I can, and I can, I can be a loving person. I can be present with my family and, uh, free up some some time free up some time uh in my life to to be around them that's that's kind of my my goal right so yeah and i think one of the things that's super interesting with that like natalie hodson talks about this a lot and like i said we had her on the show was she said that when a story like when you externalize a story when you speak it out it loses its power over you and yeah. so this this process of going through and like facing these deep dark fears Yes. about yourself and externalizing those and putting them out there. It's more, and I'm glad you brought this up. Like it's more for you than it is for your audience. Yeah. Like your audience just happens to connect with it. But really like, if you want to be free, if you want to get to the next level, if you ever want to be like separated from your past and be able to move forward, you're the one that has to confront this. And the way I look at it is like, these are like, I call them demons in your closets and change to the past, right? Like if you ever want to escape the past, if you ever want to like move forward with just rapid speed in your life, you've got to break those chains. Yes. You've got to like, you've got to free yourself. And the problem is, is that in order to break those chains and in order to become free, you must face those demons and you okay. must literally look them directly in the face, which is incredibly, incredibly hard. Cause yeah. no matter which way you look at it, whether it's the definition of a demon or if you visualize a demon or whatever, like that is a scary thought. And so you have these scary thoughts that are mostly in your mind and, you know, usually not nearly as bad once they're out in public as you think they are, but like, you've got to still face those. And you've told yourself this story that like, I can't do this because of X, or I don't want to address that because that's scary or because that's hard. And I think most people, and I know this was true for me for the longest time, I was afraid to go back and fix my past because I was too afraid to look at it. Exactly. And once I found the confidence to look at it and go, no, I will not live in fear because that's all it is, right? The only reason, the only reason that we're not facing our demons, the only reason that we're not moving forward is because we're afraid to go face those demons. We're living in fear. And this is why, like, I talk about like how in our daily lives, we can't live in fear. Like we've got to be fearless. We've got to be able to look things in the face. We've got to be able to look tribulations in the face or, you know, trials in the face, those things that are scary to us in the face and go, no, you don't control me. I'm going to free myself of the past and I'm going to move forward. And only when you do that, do you become actually, well, truly free. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you did that, man. This is good for you. Uh, but Josh, yeah. The, and that's what you're saying. You know, when you, when you, when you, when you broadcast that story, what happened for me actually, and I don't know if this is like the way it's supposed to happen scientifically or if the way it works, right? But what actually happened for me is the story changed. Okay. The story changed because ah. when I when I when I was living in fear of of 
showing vulnerability or actually facing what really happened to me. I was also living in the victim mentality of this happened to me. This happened to me and, and it's bad and it's, it's whatever, it's whatever, whatever. Right. But when I actually broadcasted that story and I said it, now what happened is the story changed from this happened to me and it was bad and it was terrible and I'm afraid of it to I overcame it and it happened to me to teach me a lesson. And that gave me, that boosted my, my confidence and it changed my story. And, and that changes everything, you know, it changes everything. Life. So that's why it's so huge, I think. And I don't, like I said, I don't know. Well, Tony Robbins talks about that a lot. He goes, life does not happen to you. It happens for you. Exactly. Right. And the second you sh make that shift in that mentality, so many people are like, oh man, I'm homeless. I lost my job. I lost a million dollars. My business failed. My, I went through a divorce. I went through this. And it's like, listen, you can choose to look at those things as life happening to you and how this is terrible. And oh, woe is me. And I'm never going to get through it. Or you can look at it and say, no, life happened for me. These exactly. things were literally put into my life to tools to overcome. Continue. There's another thing that I learned that's right on that spot on, but it just putting in the formula. And I learned this from Jack Canfield is uh, the, the E plus R equals O, right? The, the events that happen in your life, you don't control these things. You don't, but the R, the response, you control 100%. So I'm not a mathematician, but because of that, you completely change the outcome, right? The O. So E plus R equals O. So the events, you don't necessarily always control these things. They just happened. And, you know, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are unfortunate, whatever. But then the response is how you react. What meaning you give to these events, right? What meaning? And it's all perspective. It's all you have a choice on the meaning, okay? So the way you react, the way you respond on that changes your whole outcome, your whole life drastically. So, so yeah. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that that applies and I'll give the perfect example of that. I will use my own life. Like my brother died in a helicopter crash in Kenya. He left behind a five-year-old son and a pregnant wife. Okay. Like that will wreck your life. And yeah. it could have very easily wrecked my life. Yeah. And it, it did definitely shift the entire trajectory. It changed my identity, but like I could have gone through that and I could have said, Oh, woe is me. And I could have picked up drinking and I could have become a raging alcoholic and I could have gone into a spiral down depression and I could have been like, life is meaningless. And I could have ended up in that way. Right. And like, here's the deal. And I, and I think this is crucially important. The event happened. I can't go change that event. Right. And so like, obviously I wouldn't wish that on myself again. I wouldn't wish that on my family. I wouldn't wish that on my nephew, my now niece, uh, you know, my sister, like nobody wishes that happened, right. but it did. Right. And so now I have a choice. I have a choice of how I'm going to respond to that. And so how I chose to respond to that was to continue to do my podcast, to document that whole journey, to, to show people what it's like to go through something like that, to rise above and to say, okay, how can I use this terrible, tragic event for most people in my life and turn it into something good? And when I showed up and I, and I tell this story a lot, like I showed up at my brother's funeral. Now, keep in mind, my brother was, you know, quite a successful person in his field. He was, he was in, um, I don't want to say politics, like he did a lot with politics, but it was more than just that. But like he had Republican friends and Democrat friends and, and, you know, like from all sides of the aisle for straight people, gay people, black, white, every different race. And you had over a thousand people RSVP for his wedding. You had the state Senate in Colorado do a moment of silence for him. Right. You had Fox and CNN and, and all these major things do like talk about the, the death of these, you know, of what happened with that. Why? Because my brother went out there and he brought people together. 
And so I could go through and I could ignore all of that. I can say, no, God, you suck. No, you know, this was a terrible, you know, terrible thing that happened to the world. Or I can say, no, look, look what he did in his 29 years of life. How can I go and use those same principles to bring people together? How can I go and respond the best that I can and continue on his legacy to continue on the principles that he stood for and bringing people together and helping people see the other side. And when you choose that mentality and when you say, listen, I have every reason in the world right now to be mad at God, to be mad at the universe and to really give up on life. Like that was a crazy, terrible thing that happened. Or I can use that to go out there and be a positive voice and be a positive light and grow through that traumatic experience. And when you, when you use that as your mentality, I think that's when you go out and can change the world because that's, that's life happening for you, not life happening to you. That's amazing, man. I, I, I commend you. I, your brother would be proud of you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You, so, so it, yeah. Um, no, this is, this is awesome. Good for you. I appreciate that. Thank you. So I think that brings us full circle back to, you know, at the very, very beginning, uh, sounds like you're headed up to Russell Brunson, right? I, I leave Wh- where, uh, what's next for you? Like, what are you, what are you working on? You got wrestling stuff, business stuff. Like what's the future for Georgie? The future for Georgie is to continue to impact athletes, wrestlers. Okay. Uh, I, I want to, and that's partially why I am on this. I have two parts of it. Right. And, and I, they connect. Okay. But one is I want to be financially free. I want to be financially wealthy. So my family never has to worry about, about money period. Um, and their grandkids period. So, from there, I have another journey, and those two are together, okay? The other journey is is the me impacting athletes, so they never have to go through what I did. They never have to go through what I experienced, which is, you know, those ups and downs emotionally. Um, in other words, what I'm saying is I don't want them to end their, their athletic careers, whether it was the way they wanted it or the way they really didn't want it. It was a complete fail in their brain, right, in their mind. I don't want them to have to struggle and go into depression because of that. So what I really want to do is I want to impact these athletes and their families so they give the right meaning to their lives and understand that life happens for them, not to them, and and explain to them that either way they're learning through this journey and how to – basically, I'm teaching these wrestlers through the club and the virtual club now. Uh, Basically, I'm teaching them that. I'm teaching them how to be mentally – how to get a hold of themselves, personal growth, right? How to how to approach life, how to how to be truly happy, how to live a fulfilling life, and how to find their own missions and goals in their life. That's what I want for them. It's amazing. And, and as far as as far as me being financially wealthy, I know that's taken care of and that'll take care of itself. But I also really, really, really want to see how far we can go with that software. That software is gonna be our baby, and I wanna I wanna see where we can go with this. So um that that that's my business mission there that's awesome dude that's fantastic i think that's super important and i think one of the things that's super cool about what you said there is it's not that you want to you're not trying to um save these wrestlers from hardship or anything like that but you're you're saying i want to i want to guide them through that so that they understand who they are and yeah. you guide them through that so that they don't get to the olympics or get to that height of their career and then be like suicidal or super in depression because they feel like that's the end of it like you did you want to be able to prep them for what's next and and help them realize i think this is really important like 
your life doesn't end at the Olympics. It begins there, right? Your end doesn't end at the, the peak of your wrestling career. Cause you can't wrestle when you're 70, 80, 90 years old. Right. But like you can use your platform in wrestling. You can use the tools and the skills that you've learned. And this is true in any area of life. And yours is just specific to wrestling, like to catapult into that next phase and to continue to have impact there. And, um, it's so funny. I was listening to, do you know, um, uh, David Portnoy by any means, the, the founder of Barstool Sports. No, I don't. Okay. So he's, I know Barstool Sports, but I don't, I don't. Okay. So he's the founder. He is, dude, he is just something else, man. He is just crazy. He's so funny though. Um, but he had, when he sold, so he founded Barstool Sports and he's still a part owner, but he sold, uh, a majority uh, of it to, I forget what pen I think was the company. Anyway, he made like $50 million. That is $50 million exit, right? You know, big time. And he was being interviewed on a podcast and, uh, someone was like, well, you've already like, you've already had your big exit, right? Like you've already, you know, gone through, you've, you know, made all this money definition of success. And what's interesting was he was like, well, no, that's like, I just started. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I was round one. Like I want to have, you know, owner of NFL teams money. I want to have world changing money, right? I want to have all this. And like the mentality for so many people is, man, if I had a $50 million exit, I'm good. I'm done. I've made it. Right. And then it's like, they would lose drive. They would lose motivation. But like, when you understand that even if you had a $50 million exit at 40 or at 30 or at 50, like that can just be like phase one. Right? right. And now you've got that building block to go and have more impact and more impact and more impact. And I think that so many people, and you know, I, I'm really, I'm religious. I'm very big on, you know, uh, religion and different philosophies or whatnot, but like there was a, a philosopher, a apologist. I mean, the Christian apologist that passed away recently, his name was Ravi Zacharias. He was one of the, um, one of the best Christian apologists I've ever you know seen in my life. Anyway, he just passed away recently, but he would meet with all these uh, athletes that would win the Super Bowl, or that would, you know, he met with like people like Tiger Woods or, you know, Super Bowl MVPs. And like, they would be so crazy, massively depressed right after they would win the Super Bowl or, you know, win the, you know, the US Open or like whatever it was. And it was because they, they thought that that was the peak of it. And like, once they understood that, like that, that's not what's going to fill you up. Winning yeah. isn't going to fill you up. Winning isn't going to thing that brings that you fulfillment. It's not going to be the thing that drives you it, that's just a stepping stone along the way. Once you have that mentality shift, the whole game changes and yes. you're able to go out there and have massive, massive amounts of impact. So I absolutely love that, dude. Absolutely. Yep. Well, dude. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So no, absolutely. That's, I experienced that too. Maybe I wasn't on that level, right? I wasn't a Super Bowl MVP, but right. to me, the Olympics was the pinnacle and, yeah. and uh, I did it. And then it wasn't what I expected to be. And so I can completely relate to that. And I was depressed too. You know, whether I was showing it or not, I was, you know, I just wasn't vulnerable about it because that's, you know, I was just suppressing everything. But yeah, inside I was not happy. I was struggling to find what I want to do. So I can relate to that. And, and that's exactly what I don't want other people going through. And so that's 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 why that's my my mission. I love that. I love that. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. As we wrap it up here, I want to I want to ask you some rapid fire questions here. Make it a little bit fun, get to know you a little bit more here. Uh, but this was a phenomenal interview. I, I, I appreciate it. First off, before we go into the rapid fire stuff, where can people find out more about you? Josh, I appreciate you. I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, BOL underscore nightmare. Uh, my business is thebestwrestler.com, ttpnutrition.com, and zoopta.com. Uh, BUL underscore nightmare? Yeah, my nickname in college was the Bulgarian nightmare. So there you go, BUL underscore nightmare. We'll link that down below. Um, in the description of the podcast and the show notes as well uh, for you guys to go check that out. Okay. Um, what is one bucket list item that you want to do in your life that you haven't yet done? 
I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't have that answer yet. Okay. Yeah. Relative to this audience, I know this is not rapid fire, but what I really, really want to do is go to Fiji on Tony Robbins' island. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. dude, that would that would be life. That would be a life changing event for sure. sure. We'll have to win an affiliate competition or something. I feel like that's the way to get in, right? Um, cool. Um, are you like a sports car person at all? Do you like cars? No, not at all. I like cars, but I don't really follow sports cars. Okay, like, what's one? like thing a house a car a plane like what's like one big thing that's like your dream vehicle or dream thing that you want to buy that yeah. you haven't yet bought yet yeah absolutely it's right there on my wall it's a picture i want a uh, mercedes mercedes maybach and uh as far as house i want to live in in woods with a little pond and have a log cabin inside of it um yeah what was the mercedes car maybach a mercedes maybach maybach yeah Okay. How soon are you? How, how, when are you going to get that? Uh, within a year, year and a half. Within a year, year and a half. I love it. I love it. Ambition. What's your favorite airlines to fly? Southwest. Southwest. Interesting. Uh, if you ever had the chance to go to outer space, would you go to outer space? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I already asked you the bucket list question. What's your favorite book you've ever read? Many. There are many. Of course, besides the, the, uh, Psycho Cybernetics. Uh, secrets, expert secrets. Oh, all right. Also, those are, of course, our favorite books, Razzle. No, I really, actually, you know what? Which books changed me? It was uh, Think and Grow Rich changed me. The The Success Principles changed me. And Outwitting the Devil changed me. Oh, I've never read Outwitting the Devil. So, actually, Russell just recently read it and posted something on Twitter about it. And what changed me about this book, you may like it. You may like it a lot, Josh, because uh, it talks about uh, it's Napoleon Hill, and this wasn't published. It was a very controversial book. He, he wrote the script in 1930s, I think. But him or his family didn't publish it because they were afraid that it may ruin his reputation because it's a very controversial book. And it didn't, it didn't get published until 2011. Wow. But what's good about it is, is he's basically, uh, and obviously whether it's real or not, no one knows, but what it is, the yeah. book is this. He basically presents himself as having so much control of his mind and his brain that he's cornering the, the the devil in the corner and having him confess all of his secrets and how he how the, the devil traps people to to uh to to be to sin basically or to be unhappy or to be unsuccessful or to be miserable wow. and the devil basically comes out and explains all the tricks that he has up his mind um and so once i read this book i was no longer afraid it freed me mentally wow that's crazy outwitting the devil okay i'm gonna have to check that book out that's awesome all right, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for, oh, one last final question. We always end uh, new interviews with this question. I want you to fast forward to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed. All your money, success, impact, everything is gone. You're a nobody, except you get to leave every single person that you've ever impacted, either directly or indirectly, with one final message or piece of advice. What is that message? Control your thoughts. Wow. Control your thoughts. Live, live intentionally. Don't, don't be on autopilot. That's the number one piece of advice you got. Yep. I love it. Take care of itself. I love it. Control your thoughts. Georgie, my man, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Before you go, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This means a lot to me. Yeah. I truly appreciate you. You don't know this, but you're actually on my whiteboard as one of the people that I want to be on their podcast. So this is manifested and I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're the man. Keep doing what you're doing. 
and uh, I'd love to meet you in person sometime. I can't wait. Maybe we'll hang out at Russell Brunson's uh, uh, wrestling pad, and we can you can teach me some wrestling moves. Absolutely. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, guys. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different, because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I love you all, and I will see you all in the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. <laughs>